0: Go ahead and take our seats and get ready for tonight. If you guys are joining us online, I, I appreciate it so much. Thank you. We love you guys. I know some of y'all can't be here in person, and uh, a lot of praise report though. Our governor is lifting things up. We're about to start seeing some things opening up. May first, we're gonna get life back to normal a little bit. I know there's some churches in Lufkin starting to open, and so uh, it's gonna be awesome. I'm excited, super excited to see things getting back to normal a little bit and i'm just thankful you know i I know it's unfortunate we've had some people contract this thing and you know i never want to make light of that but i'm just so thankful that you know as far as i know in in huntington we haven't had any confirmed cases the lord has really just kept us away from that and and blessed us and protected us and so very thankful for that if y'all would uh, you're joining us online just share the stream that help us out a whole lot just to put the word of God in front of other people as many people as we can so you can hit the share button you can comment uh interact with us during this bible study when we just appreciate you guys so much so before we get started I want to go ahead and pray and we'll get going and we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 3 so I recommend too if you're joining us online you can you can get your Bibles ready. Uh, and you can just follow right along with us, Proverbs chapter 3. But if you guys will pray with me. Father, we just are so thankful for every blessing that you've given us, Lord. We want to enter into your into your presence with thanksgiving. We want to enter into your courts with praise. We say the Lord is good. His mercy lasts forever. His faithfulness stands the test of time. Lord, we just quote the book of Psalms. And when we say that, we want to enter into your your presence and just thank you for everything that you've done for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for your anointing, God. Lord, I pray for any person watching and any person present. uh, If they have a need in their life tonight, I ask that their faith, that they would just put their faith out and that you will meet the need tonight, Lord. If they're believing for a miracle, that they would extend their faith this evening, even online, and you would meet their need, Lord. We're going to see breakthroughs happen. We're going to hear testimonies coming through of healings, testimonies coming, uh, coming through of miracles that took place, of provisions that took place. Lord, you're going to make a way tonight, and I just pray that somebody either present or online, that they would put their faith out and believe, and you will meet their needs. We thank you, Father. We're so excited for, for your word and what you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Well, if you guys will, let's turn to Proverbs 3. Proverbs chapter 3. I love the book of Proverbs. The, the book of Proverbs is something I told you all the first week, but Proverbs is amazing because there's 31 chapters. And pretty normally, there's about 30, 31 days in a month. And so you can read through the book of Proverbs one chapter a day. You'll finish it in a month. And then what I do is I just start all over again, and I'll read it again and again. Sometimes I'll take breaks. Uh, but it's so crazy, I feel like I'll get to the end of it, and I'll start it over. And it's almost just like reading it brand new again every single time. And that's how the Word of God is. You know, in, actual, in, in Proverbs chapter 1, it actually talks about that. It talks about how the scriptures are like riddles. The scriptures are, are these things that are meant for us to have to uh, decipher and, and dig into in order to gain understanding. And so I, I just love this book so much. I love how practical it is, everyday life stuff, and so I'm excited to get into this. Proverbs 3, chapter 1, it says this, chapter in verse 1, Proverbs 3, my child never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. Can you guys say heart? This is a key to blessing in your life, is when the Word of God goes from your head to your heart. I know that may sound cliche, but I want you guys to know that there is a difference between having the Word of God in your head and having the Word of God hidden in your heart. When the Word of God is hidden in your heart, everything in your life will begin to change. The Having the Word of God hidden in your heart, I'm telling you right now, is the key to the blessing of God in your life. It is the key to you moving forward and seeing things just changing and taking place is hiding the Word of God in your heart. I'm going to tell you a story about Kenneth E. Hagen. I love listening to him, but he tells the story how when he was a young man, he had a crippling disease that was on his body. So he grew up, and, and he had some type of a disease that pretty much paralyzed him from his neck down as a young man. And then he also had a blood disease. He was very sick, uh, couldn't move, couldn't do anything. And then his mom had put a Bible in front of him, and he grew up old, uh, You know, an old Baptist boy. He never heard anything about healing. God had to teach him healing out of his word. He didn't have anybody that taught him healing. God taught him healing. That's why his revelation about healing and authority was just so powerful because it didn't come from man. It came from God in his word directly. And so he said at one point he couldn't even move. And so what his mom would do was take the Bible and put it in front of him, and he would just sit there and for days just read the same page again and again and again and again. I'll make a long story short. You know, the Lord basically Uh, begin to show him a few things. Uh, He was reading the woman with the issue of blood, how she had came up and she touched the garment of Jesus. And the Bible says that her faith made her whole. He said, your faith. Okay. So that kind of stuck out to him. Then he read first Corinthians 13 sometime later. And it said, these three things shall remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So the Lord took that scripture and said, Kenneth, did you, did you see what my word says? Three things will never pass away. Faith, hope, and love. So he said faith will never pass away. He had grown up learning that the gift of healing was gone. He had grown up learning that people didn't carry that gift and that anointing, and so it didn't happen anymore. But the Lord said, look, she wasn't healed by the gift of healing. It says that she was healed by Faith. And then the word of God says, faith will never pass away. So if faith was, is was what allowed that woman to be healed then, that means that it still carries the capacity for you to be healed today. And God taught him about healing as a 16-year-old paralyzed. And so immediately when he received that word, he started walking out as healing, believing that he was healed. So ended up going back to school, started regaining some strength, could walk a little bit. One day, he was walking home. And this had been a month, months and months and months. He was always aching and hurting, could barely move. And he had to walk miles all the way back home to his house. And so, you know, people would come up and, and he started teaching himself about faith. And they would say, you know, you look pretty sick. Do you need a ride? And then he would think to himself, he'd say, what well, sick people need a ride. Healthy people don't need a ride. So, no, I don't need a ride. I'm good. And he would just force himself to walk home every day. And so, one day, he said, this old man pulled up beside him and said, hey, kid, jump in the car. Do you need a ride? And he said, without even thinking about it, from his heart, from his spirit, he looked at him and said, I'm not sick. I am healed in Jesus name. He said from his heart, that revelation came out and instantly in that moment, his aches, his pains, his disease, everything that was on him broke off of his life. And he, he lived his entire life and never had another symptom again for his entire life. The key is getting the Word of God in your heart. Read you a couple of scriptures. It says in Matthew twelve, thirty four, Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Proverbs four twenty three says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So the Bible teaches that your life will be a product of your heart. Your words will be a product of your heart. So here's the thing. People that are struggling with sin, I want you guys to hear this. Even if it's you, if you're struggling with something, sin is not your problem. Your heart is your problem. Because sin is just a product of your heart. Sin is just the fruit in the tree is your heart is what the Bible says. From the heart, life will flow. Everything in your life will be a reflection of where your heart is. So this is why the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 1, it says, store my commands. Not in your head. Don't just put them where you know them. Put them in your heart. That is the key for everything changing in your life is when the word of God goes from something that you just know to something that is deep inside of you. Y'all, I want you to know there's a difference between knowing with your mind that you're healed and knowing in your heart. That you're healed. There's a difference in knowing in your mind that you're saved and knowing in your heart that you're saved. There's a difference in being able to quote, uh, you know, the scriptures about in Psalms 23 and, and talking about how the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I know God provides for me and knowing down in your spirit and your heart that God provides for you. That's the key. It changes everything. So here's the question then. How do you get the word of God in your heart? I'm going to give you three things that the Bible says. Here's three ways, if you're struggling with this, three ways that you can take the word of God from your head and put it in your heart. A couple scriptures, Psalms 45, verse one says, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. So the scripture says my tongue is the pen of ready of a ready writer can you guys say my tongue the first way to get the word of God in your heart is through your tongue through your words I once heard I once heard a a powerful man of God say speak right words until right feelings follow when you wake up and you may be feeling something maybe you're experiencing a test maybe you're experiencing a trial maybe you're going through something it's super easy To just start complaining and, and, you know, you're just complaining about things. And you you can't deny that I feel a certain way, but there's this principle. You speak right words until feelings follow the words. Because the Bible actually teaches that your life in the book of James will follow your words. Wherever your words go, that's where your life is going to follow. So if you want the Word of God in your heart, what do you do? Speak the Word of God. Speak the Word of God. Every situation, get the word of God, know it, get it in your mind and begin to speak it and speak it and speak it until it's something that you don't have to try to do. You're like, I'm not trying to just, I know that's what I should do right now. It'll literally, you'll see this transition take place instantaneously when something confronts you, you're like, man, I didn't even have to think about that. The word of God just sprung forth out of my heart into this situation. I knew what the word of God said. That's the key. Let's see the second thing. The second thing is this Matthew 6 21. For wherever your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will also be. I've heard a, a principle wherever you put your treasure, your heart will follow. So wherever you want your heart to be, put your treasure there and your heart will follow. If you want your heart, to be in the Word of God in the kingdom of God, this very simple principle: put your treasure in the kingdom of God. What is your treasure? Your time, your finances, the things that the Lord has given you. Wherever your treasure is, there, your heart will follow after the treasure. The third thing is this: 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3. It says, You are a letter from Christ showing the result of the ministry among you. This letter is not written with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on the tablets of stone, but on human hearts. So the New Testament talks about how God took the law, God took the letter, and he put it on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So here's the third key. How can I get the word of God in my heart? Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I can tell you guys, when you receive the Holy Spirit in a powerful way, everything in your life changes. I remember, I mean, there's no logical way to explain this. I remember being a 16-year-old kid. I knew nothing about the Bible. I had no prior experience with God, really. I didn't know about speaking in tongues. I didn't know about any of those things. But I had this encounter with God where I had this powerful encounter. I, was, I went up to an altar call, this man touched this kid, and it was like a wave of the Spirit went through the room. I fell out. I was on my back. I was having visions. I got up. I was speaking in tongues, and the fire of God was on my life. I remember going home, and for months, you know, it's like my friends started getting saved. I went to school that year. My teacher started calling my mom saying, what is going on with your son? He just seems so different than he did last year, and I'm not making this stuff up. And it was instinctively, this is what the Bible teaches. Instinctively, I was following the Word of God without even really knowing the Word of God because the Word of God was written on my heart by the Spirit. It was engraved inside of me, being led by the Spirit. So the three things, if you want God's Word in your heart, speak right words. Speak the Word of God over your life continually, continually, continually speak the word of god sow your treasure in the pe- in, in the word i'm sorry in the kingdom of god and have encounters with the holy spirit and with the presence of god amen let's keep reading verse 2 if you do this if you will hide the word of god in your heart this is the promise you will live many years and your life will be satisfying guys we talk about this all the time and i love these scripture references like deuteronomy 28 joshua chapter 1 psalms chapter 1 john 10:10 10 10, matthew chapter 15 they're all references that teach the same principle if you follow the word of god your life will prosper there's so many people that hate the prosperity message but this is what the bible teaches if you, it says if you hide the word of God in your heart, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. You know, I remember a pastor confronting me, a group of pastors confronting me, and they were saying, So you believe that if people just have enough faith, you know, they'll be rich? I said, No, I didn't say that if they just had enough faith, they would be rich. I'm saying what the Bible says. I'm saying that the word of God says, if you do what this says, it will produce prosperity in your life. Everything that you do will be blessed. Everything that you put your hand to will be blessed. So you believe that it's God's will for everybody to live a long life? How can you believe that? How do you explain 30-year-olds or 40-year-olds that died and people that are struggling with that? I don't explain it. I say that the Word of God says that if I walk according to this, I have divine promises for my life, and I will have a long life and a satisfying life. It's a promise of the Word consistently. Through the Bible. The key to a long life, a blessed life, a healthy life, a satisfying life is adhering to the Word of God 100%. Y'all, and I'm telling you, I am telling you, I want to challenge, even if you're watching online right now, I want to challenge you. If you took this Word and you said, I'm going to do everything within my power to follow what this thing says, to do what this thing says. Everything that it tells me how my life should be, how I, th- how I should think, how I should act, how, how I should spend my time, how, I mean, every detail, if you took this word and you did what it says, I promise you in one year, your life would produce fruit that you'd never have all the years before that. It's a promise in the word of God. Amen. Amen. Let's keep reading. Verse three and verse four it says never let loyalty and kindness leave you tie them around your neck as a reminder write them deep within your heart then you will find favor with both god and people and you will earn a good reputation y'all do you know that a mark of somebody that has a blessing of god on their life is not only that they have favor with god but they have favor with other people If you are living some kind of cycle in your life where it's just one conflict after another, that you're just having problems everywhere you work, everything that you do, it just never works out, that's not a sign of the blessing on your life. God wants you to have favor with God and with man. Let me read you this, Luke 2.52. It says this, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with people. I know a lot of Christians that they become so heavenly-minded that they become, like, earthly useless. You know, I used to know a a minister in a town that... He was just all about, you know, he said that God called him. He didn't need to work. He wasn't going to support his family, that that God had called him to the ministry. And so his family just struggled, and there was never doors opening up for him. But that's how you'll always know if God has called you and put his hand on something, it will produce favor with God and with man. If there's nobody on this earth that is backing up what you're doing and getting behind what you're doing, then it's not God that's calling you to do it. I'm not telling you you have to live for man's approval. What I'm telling you, though, is a mark that something has been placed on you by God as God will send other people around you that will help push that vision forward. God will open up other doors for you and work. God will open up other doors. You know, look at Joseph. He had favor with man. Didn't matter where he was. He got sold into slavery. He had favor with man. He went from working as a slave in Potiphar's house to becoming a guy that was running Potiphar's estate, running Potiphar's private business, favor with man. Then he got sold into a prison. What happened? It says just in a short amount of time, he went from being a prisoner to being the dude that was like being the warden, running the entire prison. Then all of a sudden, he had this ability to prophesy. He got thrown in Egypt. What happened next? Now he's the second-hand man in Egypt, the most powerful nation on the earth at the time. The blessing of God will give you favor with both God and with people. Amen? But look at this, though. It says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. So the King James Version actually says this, mercy, truth, or love and kindness and truth. So these are actually the keys. You know, if you think, this is funny, and this is why I love Proverbs because it's so practical Uh, it it helps us so practically in our life. It it gives us keys. How to have promotion in ministry. How to have promotion in your job. How to get promoted in life in general. So if you guys want to write these down, these are keys to promotion in life. I want to look at the, the things that it says. Loyalty, kindness, loving kindness, truth. If you walked in loyalty and in kindness and it says you wrote them deep within your heart, then you would find favor with God and with people, and you would earn a good reputation. Loyalty. Keys to being, promoting in your life. There's two sides to this. One, being a person that's loyal to God. It's really simple, you know. God is not looking for the most talented people. Do you guys know this? God is not looking for the people that are, and I've always heard this statement, that God does not call the equipped he equips the called so many people think that they could never be used by God because they're like I don't know if I really have a gift I don't know if I really have anything to offer God is just looking for people that will be loyal to him here's a key for God to promote you in in the calling that you have on your life into the things that he wants to bring you into is number one just being loyal to God what does it mean to be loyal to God not being loyal to the world Can God trust you with things? I'm going to ask that question even if you're watching online. Can God trust you with things? Can God trust you with the job that he's given you? Can God trust you with the wife or the husband that he's given you? Can God trust you with the family that he's given you, the house that he's given you? Can God trust you? Are you loyal to God with the finances that he's given you? Loyalty. But I love this. So so the key to being promoted by God is loyalty to God. But then it says both God and man, so vice versa. The key to being promoted by man is loyalty. Can I tell you guys, and, and I can speak, I mean, from a person that has hired other people and, and been on both sides. I've worked for people, I've hired people, I've been on both sides of that fence. One of the most attractive things when you're looking for somebody to, to promote is, the, is, is a loyal person. I, all day long, would take somebody that's less talented, that's less gifted, that's le- that has less ability, but is absolutely loyal to the vision, loyal to us, it's trustworthy, trustworthy to the call. You know, if you become that person, I'm telling you that people will notice that, and it will, it, you know, you'll gain favor with man. Jobs will open up, opportunities will open up, promotions will open up. If you're wondering at your job, how can I get promoted? Just be loyal. Be loyal to the people you work for. Be loyal to your bosses. Don't t- Look at this. Don't talk about your bosses behind their back, right? Be the one guy that if, if you guys have a jerk of a boss or something and he's, you know, maybe he's horrible. I don't know. But if there's five other people standing around that are whispering and saying something, be the one guy that says, hey, no, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to honor this person. Why? Maybe they don't deserve honor, but because I honor God, and God tells me to honor authority. I'm going to work for this person not like I'm working for this person. The Bible says work as unto the Lord, as if God is my boss. I'm going to honor this person like Jesus Christ himself is my boss. That's what it means to be loyal to somebody. And I promise you, if you're loyal, I remember I worked for the postal service, and we had this you know, uh, our boss, a lot of people didn't like her. She was harsh, and I didn't think she was that bad. But I remember, you know, we would get in the office, and everybody was just always running their mouth about this person every time she wasn't in the room. And I never did. They would start in with, you know, start in on it with me, and I would just sit there and like, yeah, no, nah, you know, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to do that. And I, people that had been there years and years and years, I started to see more do- doors open up for me in a matter of months than doors that had been opened up for other people in years, working at the same place, just by being loyal, being a loyal person. Amen? Be willing. Can y'all say willing? Be willing. You know, that's another thing. You may not know, and this is just a work, a work skill, you know, that, that is really attractive to somebody that's looking to give more responsibility in life. Be willing to do things don't ever have not my job mentality about anything in life. Just be willing. I'll try it. I may not be, you know, the best at it, but hey, you're asking me, I'm going to be loyal to you, and I'm going to be willing. That will speak more to people than the most uh, educated. Well, and this is how I would see it, even in the ministry. If As the church grows and we do all this stuff, and 10 years from now, if somebody came to me and they're like, yeah, Pastor, you know, I have my PhD from Oral Roberts and I have all this background and all this education and I can speak Greek and Latin and yada, 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 I would take somebody that had no education, that never went to Bible college, that didn't really know a whole lot about the Bible, but was loyal and was willing and was humble, and, and it was willing to learn, was willing to grow, I would take somebody like that over this other person every single day. I'm telling y'all, this is a key. This is what the book of Proverbs says. Never let loyalty leave you. Tie it around your neck, and you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Amen? Be trustworthy. The other one was trustworthy, truthful. Be trust where if you want to learn how to, uh, and this is similar to loyalty, if you want to learn how to gain favor with God and with man, both things are attractive. Being somebody God can trust will gain you more. You know, Jesus actually said, those who are faithful with the little, even more will be given to them. Amen? So, How do you get more from God? You be trustworthy with what he gives you, with the little that he gives you. Y'all, and I know this is so practical, but I want you to think about something that maybe you, you want in your life. Is it a house? Is it a car? Whatever that thing is. The key to getting that from God is not... Just, oh, man, I'm just waiting, and if I could just get a nicer car, then I'd be happy. If I had a nicer house, and I'd be happy. The actual key to gaining favor with God for those opportunities to open up and Him give those things to you is just being trustworthy with the things that He has given you. If He's given you a car, don't go look at my car right now. This is principle. If He's given you a car, you know, it may not be the nicest car in the world, but take care of that car. Clean it. Show God that you're thankful for it. If he's given you a house, show God through your actions, through prayer, saying, Lord, thank you for the house that you've given me. Thank you for the car that you've given me. Thank you for what you've given me. Even though it may seem like little right now, I am showing you that I honor what you've given me. I'm thankful for what you've given me, and I'm going to be trustworthy and steward what you have given me. And the Bible says even more will be given to you. Amen. Another thing, trustworthy, how to gain trust. A favor with man. Being somebody that somebody else can trust. Y'all, and this is a big thing. You know, the Bible does not condone gossiping about people. Be somebody that if somebody comes to you in confidence, that you know how to be trustworthy that they that be somebody in your boss in your workforce with your other employees that work with you be somebody that they know that if I'm having a hard time and I'm going through something and I need to talk to somebody I can talk to them because I know that they will not violate my trust I can rely on them I can confide in them I promise you being a person like that will be somebody you know your boss begins to see that that will gain you favor with man the bible says being somebody that's trustworthy. You can trust. Y'all, and this is another thing, too. Another thing about being somebody that that your boss or somebody above you can trust, do a good job. Don't do the bare minimum. I can think, you know, there's a lot, y'all may not think this, but even like with the church, there's a lot day-to-day, week-to-week that goes on behind the scenes to make everything that we do possible. It. And I can, I've seen this as a pastor, you know, when you go out of town, you want to be able to have peace of mind, like, hey, I know everything's getting taken care of. Think about your workforce and your boss, the same thing. Be something, be somebody that they could step away and have absolute confidence. I know I've left, you know, Blake in charge. I've left this person in charge, and I trust that they are going to take care of things and handle things properly. Nobody will ever have that confidence in you if you're always just doing the bare minimum. If you're always just, oh, here's my job. I'm not doing anything less. I'm not doing anything more. That's what I'm doing. When, when that clock strikes, I'm gone. I'm done. That's it. Be trustworthy, and it'll open doors for you. Amen. Here's the last principle. So the reason I said love and kindness, because the NLT we're reading out of, it says never let loyalty, or kindness leave you? Well, the King James says, never let truth, mercy or truth. But when it says mercy, it means loving kindness. So a key to gaining favor, I want to really focus on man, it says, is being somebody that's full of loving kindness. Can I tell y'all, one of the most attractive things about working with people is just being a pleasant person to be around. Like. Let me ask you a couple questions. Are you positive or are you negative? Do you constantly speak doubt? Do you speak faith? Whenever you, you know you walk into the office, do you have a smile on your face? Do you have a frown on your face? Whenever you get around people, are they just like, oh my gosh, this person is such a drag. Golly, I wish you know, the Bible says it's so practical. Be somebody that has loving kindness, that you're loving, that you're kind, that you're happy, that you're joyful. That is one of the most amazing things. It's just being able to work with people, and that's the same thing, too, is that I I would look at somebody that I would promote being able to do that, being in a position to do that, somebody that has the most skills in the world but they're just negative and they're just not pleasant and they're not funny, they're not anything, versus somebody that's just pleasant and kind, and, and they're not negative, they're not doubtful, they're just full of faith and pleasant to be around. Amen? The Bible says, if you, it says, never let loving kindness leave you. Tie it around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. So if you'll take truth, you'll take loyalty, you'll be trustworthy, you'll carry loving kindness, the Bible says you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. You know, Jesus, I I would like to believe this because the Bible says he gained favor with both God and man. Before he started his ministry, he wasn't a nobody in his community. I promise you, they knew him. They didn't know him as the son of God at the time. They knew him as a man that was a noble man. He was a good man. He was a man that was a leader in the community. He was a man that, you know, a young man. He was in his 30s when he started his ministry, 30 years old, very young, but that's what we should strive for. That's what, that's what that looks like. If you have the, the, the blessing of God on your life, you should see both things. You should see doors opening up by God and then doors opening up by man. Verse 5 and 6 Trust the Lord with all your heart. It says, And do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Trust the, trust in the Lord with all. Can you guys say all? All. Everything. Y'all trust God in everything. All your heart, your kids, your house, your finances, your health. You know, that's why the Lord gives us so many different promises. He gives you promises for your health. Why? Because he wants you to trust him, that he will be the God that keeps you He will be the God that gives you long life. He'll keep sickness and disease away from you. He'll guard your house. He gives us promises for financial blessing. Why? He wants us to trust him with our finances. He wants wants us to trust him with everything that we have. It says, trust the Lord in everything, in all that you do. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I can tell you guys that something, the simple thing, and you've probably heard me say it many times, that the Lord showed me, everything in life should be backed by God said. Everything. You know, the, the common thing that we do is we don't really seek God, we don't really run to God unless we have a problem, but that's not the way it's supposed to, it's, it's supposed to be at all. The Bible actually says that we should be seeking God before we ever do anything. And so basically what I mean back by God said, if somebody approached you right now and said, hey, where do you work? And you're like, oh, I work down at, you know, Brookshire Brothers. I work down at oil field, whatever you do. And they said, that's great. Why do you work there? You shouldn't say, well, you know, that's what my dad did and that's what my granddaddy did and that's what we've always done. Your answer should be because God told me to. Why do you work there? Because God told me to. God told you to. That seems really weird. That's what the Bible says. Seek him and seek his will in all. What does all mean? It means every single thing. God's will is for us to seek his will in every single aspect of what we do. Y'all, I would like if I invested in the stock market and I invested in a certain stock and then people say, John, why did you invest in that one? Because God told me to. Hey, why do you live in that neighborhood? You live on, you know, Pecan Street at, at three hundred nine Pecan Street. Why do you live there? Because the Lord told me to live there. Why do you go to church at New Beginnings Church? Well, you know, I like you know, maybe I like the, the children's church or the youth. I, that Tanner, he's a funny guy. That should not be your. Those are good things, but that should not be your answer. The answer should be because the Lord told me to. Can I tell you how much life will change? and how that will help you so much. When you go through a storm and, and you're not feeling it, whenever all of a sudden you're trying to do something and it seems like all hell breaks loose and it's coming against you and you're like, why are things so hard right now? It seems like I'm just getting shot at, attacked at. You know, It'll help you so much to not quit whenever you have that confidence. No, God told me to do this. So I know I'm going to stand in faith. I don't have to battle well, you know, I tried it, it. didn't work. I don't know. I guess let's move on. No, you'll be able to stand behind the Lord told me to. You know how you can do that? Number one, the Word, the Word of God. Guys, here's a really simple thing. Let the Bible make your decisions for you. There's so many decisions in life that you wouldn't even have to worry about if you would just take everything through the Word of God. There's no... I'll, I'll pray about it. The Bible gives us specific instructions in life about several things. Just simply do what it says. Amen. I want you to think about this. I'll give you an example about tithing and what the Word of God says. Say you get a paycheck, $800, right? Well, you're like, man, I got a check, an $800 check. I want, I want a TV. But this TV, it costs $725. So, I don't know. Should I do that? Should I not do that? That's not something you would even have to pray about if you just went to the Word of God of what it says. The Word of God says several things. In Malachi 3, it says, bring your tithe and offering to the storehouse. So if I looked at my check, and I looked at what tithes would be for my check, and I realized, wait, I can't afford that TV if I honor God and what He said in His Word, then I don't even have to think or pray about it. I already know through the Word of God, I know the decision I'm supposed to make. The Bible also says in Proverbs, we're going to get to it, it says a fool spends everything that he gets. Well, I got $800. I'm going to spend 799.9 of it on something. No, I don't have to even think about that decision. The Bible says you let the word of God make your decisions. Amen. Y'all, and I want to challenge you. We're going to look at the next couple verses, but I just want to challenge you. Begin to live like that. Begin to take the Word of God and say, I'm going to do what the Word says, no matter what. Because I can tell you, the the Bible tells us to do some crazy things sometimes that don't make sense. But it says, lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. Seek His will. He'll show you which path to take. And, And so basically, that's just saying this. There's several things in the Word of God that it tells us to do, how we're supposed to live. One of the biggest is financial things, about tithing, about giving. You know that that's one of the, the things that, that the world looks at the church and thinks that we're crazy for, is that we give 10% of our income away. They're like, that is just so nuts. You, you know, I can't believe that that you guys would do that. That's so nuts. And people think like that. People will kind of think, I can't afford to do something like that. That doesn't make any sense. How, how is it going to work if I do that? That's where the Bible says, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. The human way of thinking, it won't make sense. It says, in that moment where it doesn't make sense, you take the word of God and you step out in faith and say, what the word says supersedes what I think. And I'm going to do what the word says. Amen. Verse 7 and 8 Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then, you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. If you guys have been coming to this, this is something that we've looked at, but this is all throughout Scripture. Fearing God is turning away from evil. Several times in the Bible, it talks about the fear of God. It, it, it causes us to get rid of sin in our lives. Let me ask you why. Why, What about the fear of God would cause somebody to get rid of sin in their life? Because we realize that the Bible says there's a consequence for that sin. We realize that there's a consequence that you can't, we can't just live a life of sin apart from God, how we want to live, what we want to do, apart from God's ways, without experiencing that consequence. It says the wages of sin is death. And so, a fear of God is understanding. It's a healthy understanding that I do not want those consequences, and these are the consequences. And so, I am going to walk in the fear of those consequences. And what will it will do, it will cause you to honor God and to live in covenant with Jesus. Amen. And this is the most amazing thing. You know, it says, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then, can y'all say then, you will have healing for your whole body and strength for your bones. And strength for your bones. Y'all, and this is something, again, that is all throughout the scriptures. When it talks about fearing God and turning away from evil, that's just a picture of repentance. That's just a picture of somebody that has repented of sin, turned away from that, says, I'm going to walk in covenant with Jesus. I'm going to walk in opposition to those things. And the Bible promises you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones when you enter into covenant. Can I tell you guys this as well? Not everybody that is sick is sick because you sinned. But everybody that continues to live in sin will eventually battle sickness and disease. This is Exodus fifteen twenty six. If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then the Lord said, I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. This is what God was telling them. He said, I've made a covenant with you, and if you walk according to the covenant, obviously, guys, we have a different covenant now. We have a new covenant through the blood of Jesus. So we can still apply the same thing. If we walk in covenant with God, there is a promise all throughout the Scripture that we have protection from sickness and disease. So I want to help you all with this because a lot of people battle with this, and I think, And I hope, I know all of you guys go to our church, and if you're online, I want you to hear this. A lot of people battle with, okay, I'm following Jesus, I'm a believer, but they're still battling with, is it God's will for me to be healed? And they live their whole life battling with sickness and disease. You can take this scripture and say, Lord, I I walk in the fear of God. I have turned away from evil. And because I've done that, I am claiming right now by the bloody, the bod, body and blood of Jesus Christ that I will have healing for my body and strength for my bones. Amen? Number nine, verse nine and ten. It says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then... He will fill your barns with grain, and your vats will overflow with good wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the best part of everything that you do. Then, if you do that, your barns will overflow with grain, and your vats will overflow with good wine. So here's a promise. God said that if we would honor him with our wealth, that we would, we would unlock abundance in our life how do we how do we honor God with our wealth by what by doing what the word of God says God in his word has already told us we don't we don't have to question what that is God in his word has already told us this is how you honor me by what doing what I said honor me with your wealth Malachi chapter 3 if you guys want to turn there I don't have it in the notes but I'm going to flip over there Malachi 3. It's the last book of the Old Testament, right before Matthew. I'll get there eventually. There we go. Malachi chapter 3, look at this. Verse 8, he said, should people cheat God? And yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? He says, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Let me just start by saying this, guys. When you're a Christian, you walk in a covenant with God. That means that God has established certain things, and this is one of those things. God has made a covenant, and in that covenant, we have promises for our healing. In that covenant, we have promises for our salvation. But in that covenant, we have promises also for our financial provision on this earth. And this is what he said. You have cheated me. This is something that changed my life forever. Whenever I began to realize this, my whole life, you know, I thought when I tithed, I believe that it was me giving to God. Well, whenever God showed me this, everything changed, that it's actually not me giving anything to God. That already belongs to God. The Bible says in Malachi 3, he says, you have cheated me. They said, what do you mean we cheated you? He says, you have robbed me of the tithes and the offerings. How can you rob God of something that that is yours to give? If the tithe was mine to decide whether I gave it or whether I didn't or what I did with it, what I didn't do with it, how would it be cheating God if I didn't give it to him? It's God, that This is the thing that you have to understand, and this will this will change everything for you. When you start believing that that 10%, where does that come from? Before the law, Abraham tithed. That God gave him victory. He had all these spoils from, from war that came in. He says he took a tenth and he gave it to the high priest. Abraham's grandson Jacob made a covenant with God where he said, I believe the Lord is going to provide for my needs. And as God provides my needs, what I'm going to do to ensure that it that this continual provision continues to happen, I'm going to take a tenth of everything that he gives me and show God two things. Number one, that thank you, Lord. I'm I'm acknowledging everything that I have comes from you. Lord, you, you think about their crops. You know, they would believe God. Lord, I'm believing that pests aren't going to come upon my, my crops this year. I'm believing that I'm going to go out and plant and that the sun's not going to burn them up. I'm going to go out and plant and that people aren't going to steal in and harvest them, that you are going to protect, you are going to increase, you are going to make sure that that provision comes to me. And by this covenant that I'm making with you, what I'm going to do is take a tenth of that harvest and give it to you to say thank you. To say, Lord, I acknowledge that what I harvested wasn't just a matter of my work. It was a matter of your supernatural provision and protection over my life. That's what the tithe is. When we don't do that, the Bible says we che- we're cheating God. I don't know about you guys. Th- if there was one person to not steal from, God is probably the person you don't want to steal from. And for me, you guys may not see it this way, but for me, I fear that. You know, if somebody walks up and hands me a $20 bill and says, here you go, John, put this in the tithes, there's not anything inside of me that says, you know what, no, I think John's going to put this one in his pocket. And there's no way. That's God's. That is God's. You don't steal from, and I have a fear of God. I say, Lord, I don't want to go to hell. I heard a story one time. Uh, About a man in Africa at Bishop David Oadepo's church, that this man had this vision where he went to hell. And he said the first person that he encountered was a preacher, and he was in this cage. And the preacher was shouting on the banging on this cage, saying, Lord, it was just a little bit of money. I'll give it back. I'll give it back. I I heard that and I said, Man, I you know, that's God's. I'm not touching that. That is God's. And when you start thinking like this. It won't even be a question. Well, you know, what we'll do is I'll get my paycheck. And and here's another principle that we could look at. But this is how a lot of people think. I'll get my paycheck, and I I got this, and I got this, and I got this. And if if I have enough, then I'll give something. If I don't have enough, you know, oh, unfortunate, maybe next time. When you start thinking that this is God's, you start believing like this, y'all. Is it optional for John to pay his water bill? Can I just not pay my water bill and then tell the water company, oh, you know, sorry, guys, didn't have enough. Maybe next time. No, that, that's something that if I created a budget, that's right off the top. Nope, that's not optional. Oh, you got to, if you have a car payment or something, that's not optional. You, if you don't pay those things, you have consequences for it. And I'm not telling you that you have consequences. What I'm saying is we need to think the exact same way. You know, for me and my wife, this is how God changed everything for us, is that I started looking at that like it was non-optional. Oh, that 10%, that's not John's to decide yes or no. That's God's. Right off the top, that's God's. And so that's something that that the Scripture is talking about. Honor the Lord with the best part of everything that you produce. So look at, back at Malachi 3. It's the same thing. He says, you cheated for me. You cheated me. You're under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease, and your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe. I'll teach you another principle the Lord taught me about this. When you begin to tithe, the Bible says God will rebuke the devourer off your life. You know, the devourer for them was, again, it was the insects and the disease that would come and eat their crops up. Well, y'all, we don't have crops. We have money. That's how we live. You don't got to worry about insects and disease eating your crops up. But what does the devourer look like for you? Every time you turn around, something's going wrong that's eating all your money. Every time you turn around, the car's falling down. Every time you turn around, the tires are getting popped. Every time you turn around, something's going on that it's just draining your resources. God said that if you honored him and gave him what was his, he would rebuke those things, and he would cause the devourer to to be broken away from your resources. I've seen it happen. I remember one of my family members was struggling with, you know, and you could even think about sickness like this, guys. Hospital bills are the devourer. If you're sick and every time you turn around you're having to go to the hospital and pay and go get uh, prescriptions and pay, you could. this is just another way you could claim your healing by saying, Lord, I gave you what is yours. This situation keeps draining every single thing that I have. You said if I gave you this tenth, that you would rebuke this devourer and protect my resources from being drained amen? A lot of people don't even know that. This is another thing. Uh, So, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. You know, also, in Malachi chapter 3, it says this. I want to read it to you. Should people cheat God? I'll read it again. You cheated me. When did we cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and of the offerings due to me. Y'all, this is crazy. And a lot of people will will shoot you down if you start talking about this. But God does not only require a tenth. The Bible actually says that there's an offering that's due to the Lord. Everybody's like, oh, man, I don't like talking about that. It's true. I mean, I'm telling you guys, I did not grow up thinking this up until about a year and a half ago, two years ago. I didn't practice this, really. I didn't have the revelation of this. But I have seen God supernaturally honor this in my life and everything that I'm telling you is 100% true. He didn't say not only the tithe belonged to him, he said an offering belongs to him. And then again, there's this promise just like we read it in uh, Proverbs 9, 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then, can y'all say then, he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Y'all, Life with God is, is, so, is not rocket science. It's simply doing this, the things that God has specifically told us to do and believing for the specific results that he promised when we did those things. So a tithe is 10% and offering is anything that's above, can y'all say above, 10%. If you actually read in Malachi, I, I encourage you guys, this is just something the Lord's putting on my spirit right now. We don't have to dive all into it. But y'all, I want you to hear this. God does not accept every offering. I didn't know this. But in the book of Malachi, it talked about how, you know, they sacrificed animals. And so what they would do is they wouldn't take their best. They wouldn't take what the Lord required. They would find their goats that were like half retarded and and crippled and they would sacrifice those to the Lord. They're like, Lord, I'm not going to sacrifice my best. I'm going to sacrifice whatever i have left over that's what i'm going to give to you god didn't say well you know your heart it's what counts it's not the gift that counts it's the fact that you gave that counts that's not what he said he actually said get these detestable things out of my sight i wish you would shut the temple door and lock it so i don't even have to look at this i grew up in a culture i grew up in a culture where it's like and this is what you'll see somebody could have Uh, be a lawyer and make $200,000 a year, you know, and then that's the thing. The offering plate comes around and I'm going to throw 50 bucks in there. That's like a a fraction of a fraction of what God has given them. And people think, well, I'm giving to the Lord. You know, how many, you know, he's going to bless it. That's not what the Bible says. Not every little thing that we do is acceptable to God. It says the best part. Can y'all say the best Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. The best part. And that's and that's being faithful. Uh, I'll get into that a little bit more. So I'm talking about offerings. This is kind of interesting because a lot of people don't actually know. But in this verse, Proverbs 3, 9 through 10, it actually tells us uh, one of the types of offerings we can give God. I won't go into it for the sake of time, but there's like seven different offerings in the Bible you can give to the poor. That's not a tithe. You know, I used to think like that too. People would think, well, I saw somebody that was in need. I gave them a little bit of money. That's actually not a tithe. That would be considered an offering, giving to the poor, if it's above what you've already given that belongs to God. You know, I used to think the same thing. There's giving to the poor as a type of offering. There's sacrificial offering. There's 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 different kinds of things, but this is one called first fruits. And so if you read in the King James, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and and with the first fruits. The best part, the first fruit of everything you produce. The first fruit actually means, so what they would do is they would have a harvest. And the the first harvest of the year, they would take that harvest and they would give it to the Lord as, as a sign, saying, Lord, I am believing for increase. I'm believing that the rest of this year, I'm believing that the rest of what you've given me is going to be blessed, is going to multiply. And so what this looks like for us, a first fruit type of offering is say, you know, you're working at your job and they say, hey, we're going to give you 75 cents an hour as an, as an increase, 75 cents an hour. You're going to get a pay increase. What you would do biblically to honor this, the first fruits is when you got your first check that had that extra 75 cents, you wouldn't, you wouldn't give the whole thing away. You would give what that increase was one time, the first time, and say, Lord, I am acknowledging that you gave me this blessing, that you opened this door, and I am sowing this in faith that this is just the first of much, much, much more to come. Amen? Amen. So I want you guys to even think about this. We're talking about all these things, and I know that a lot of people have the mindset I can't, I can't imagine doing that. How would we ever make it if we did that? It doesn't make sense financially for my family to do that. Well, look back at what we read in verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. to take. So that's one of those moments where you go back to the Word, and the Bible says when you're in a conflict between this is what my flesh wants to do and this is what makes sense, but this is what the Word of God says to do, the blessing on your life comes when you get to that crossroad and you choose to step out in faith and do what the Word of God says to do. Amen? Let's look at verse 11 and 12. Let's keep going here. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline, and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. I really hope none of you here think this way. But a lot of people believe, it's not, people, it's not the problem that people believe God corrects us, it's how they believe God corrects us. You know that there's so many people that I know right now, pastors that I know right now, that are struggling with a sickness with a disease that has crippled them that has crippled their life and they believe that the Lord has placed this thing on them to discipline them and teach them how to trust in him more. They say the Lord has put this on me. I know God spoke to me. He told me that he put this on me so that I wouldn't I I would learn to have my faith in him even when I didn't understand. People think like that. You know, I've heard pastors console other people that, you know, they lost a child, they had an infant, they had a toddler that they lost that died. And they would, you know, somebody would come to them, a minister would come and say, you know, this is just the Lord chastised, you know, uh, helping you, pruning you. This is going to be a moment in your life that just helps you so much that you grow so much in your faith from this moment. That's crazy, guys. The Lord disciplines you, but he does not discipline you in that way that is don't ever let anybody tell you that i don't care if you hear a voice speaking i'm telling you if you're listening for a voice satan will speak he'll tell you whatever to deceive you to steal to kill to destroy everything that he can in your life that is not how god corrects you let me show you i'll prove it to you second timothy 3:16 says all scripture can y'all say scripture is inspired by god it is useful to teach us what is truth, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God does not use sickness and disease to teach you a lesson. God uses his word to teach you a lesson. God does not use a car accident where you lose your car and you go into all this money and everything's destroyed in your life because, oh, man, you sinned, you messed up, and he's really wanting to prune you and teach you a life lesson. God does not do those things. The Bible says that he uses his word to correct us. I'll show you again, Proverbs 9, verse 9. We'll end up getting to this down the road. It says, instruct the wise, and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. You know, and I I could just go on and on and on about this, y'all, but it's so crazy. The Bible teaches that if you're righteous, if you're wise, if you have the wisdom of God, God doesn't have to kill a child in your life. God doesn't have to put cancer on you. The, The way he gets something across to you is simply speaking to you through his word and by his spirit. If I ever got to a point where it seemed like bad things were happening again and again and again, for one, I know the Word of God and I'd stand in faith and I'd never accept that and think that was from God. But if for some reason I did think it was from God, I wouldn't think it was because I was doing the right thing. I would be thinking, man, I don't know, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm doing something that's allowing this in my life. But that's not how God corrects us whatsoever. And I want you guys to hear that. God uses His Word to correct us. The Bible actually says fools, the way you correct a fool is by lashes on their back, by whipping them, by physical pain and harm is how fools are corrected. But the book of Proverbs teaches, which we'll see again and again and again, that the righteous and the wise are instructed by teaching, by, by the word. 13 through 18, let's keep reading this. You know what, before I do that, I have a, I have a thought as well. And I want you guys to hear this. Two things that will help you if anybody ever comes against you with that argument. Number one, name one place where somebody came to Jesus to be healed. And Jesus looked at them and said, actually, I can't heal you because God has put this sickness on you. And if I healed you, that would be me overstepping the Father's will because it's his will for you to have this sickness. One place that he ever did that. It says, all that were sick. All that were oppressed by the devil, he healed all of them. Y'all, there's so many people that really believe that God puts these things on people. Let me ask you this question. Think about this. If God put something on you, if, if you believe that God gave you a sickness, wouldn't it be wrong to take ibuprofen for it? Wouldn't it be wrong to go to the doctor and try and get medicine that would treat you for it? If God put cancer on somebody and it was God's will for me to have this because he was trying to teach me something, wouldn't it be wrong for me to go to the doctor and try to see receive help from the world? No, if God wants me to have it, then I need to have it, and I need to bear it. I'm telling you, though, that's how crazy that, that line of thinking is. That's absolutely absurd. Because people people will tell you, I've seen it, People will tell you that are battling with some horrible sickness in their life, and they, to justify it because they can't explain it, they'll say, God put it on me. God gave it to me. The Lord's wanting to grow me through this time. Okay, then why are you going to the doctor to receive treatment from it? If God put something on you, here's the other thing. If God put something on you, no man can take it away from you. If God put something on you, the only person that can take it away is God. So even if you want to run that rabbit trail, you're going to have to come back to a place of having to believe God for your healing anyways to be healed. It just doesn't even make sense. Verse 13 through 18, we're going to wrap it up real quick here. 13 through 18, it says, joyful is the person who finds wisdom, one who gains understanding. For wisdom is far more profitable than silver. Her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare to her. So it says wisdom is more profitable than silver. It's better than gold, more precious than rubies. Nothing can compare to it. And she offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life who embrace her. Happy are those who hold to her. Tightly. Y'all, if you have Jesus in your life, can I just tell you somebody that really has Jesus is gonna be happy? It is impossible to have a revelation of the covenant that we have with God and to not be happy. There is no way. If if you walk around and you're like, man, I just struggle with depression, I just struggle with not being happy. The thing is, you just need a revelation of the covenant that we have with God because when you obtain that wisdom, that revelation, that understanding, it will produce joy in your life. Why? Why will it produce joy? Well, what does the Bible say? Jesus said, do not worry. I'm pretty happy if I have nothing to worry about. If I get to live a life where I don't have to worry about my finances anymore, I don't have to worry about all these things falling apart in my life anymore. The Bible says, like in Psalms 23, and we're actually going to get to this as well, about how we can sleep, no terror will come upon us in the night. No su- sudden disaster will not come upon me. It's pretty. It makes me pretty happy to just live a stress-free life, a peaceful life, a life where I don't have to strive, a life where I don't have to worry how things are going to work out. I don't have to make things happen. That God is my provider. God is my sustainer. God has g- given me everything that I have. It makes you happy in life. Joy is is the best man. I can tell you guys. <laughs> sadness and depression will kill somebody faster than cancer will kill somebody being a depressed person will bring so much more sickness and disease upon your body your heart will give out your organs will start shutting down everything inside of you and we're going to read this in scripture but the worst thing you can ever have is a crushed spirit being down being depressed being unhappy that will kill you faster than anything else in life amen I want to read you this real quick, Matthew thirteen forty four through 45. Because it says this, wisdom is more profitable than silver. Her wages are better than gold, more precious than rubies. Nothing you can desire can compare to her, Matthew thirteen forty four through 45. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovers in a hidden field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field back to buy the field again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls and you have the same story so the bible says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who's walking through a field i want you to see this he comes upon this treasure that's laying in the field he says that he covers it up and he goes and he sells his business he sells his house he sells his car he sells everything that he has to gain enough money to go buy the field so that he can have the treasure why would he have done that because the treasure that was in the field was more valuable than his house, than his car, than anything that he owned. He said, this is my net worth. This is what all my assets add up to. This treasure alone is quadruple that amount. So if I just sold these little things that I have and traded it and bought this field, I would gain a treasure that is greater than what I currently possess. So many people struggle even with Christianity because they have the wrong mindset. They think that we're just get, it's all about how much we're losing, how much we're giving up, I have to give that, I have to stop, it's, I'm telling you, if your mind would shift and you would realize that what God is offering you is so much better, and I'm not just talking about spiritually, it's better, I'm talking about life on this earth, so much better than what you currently have, it would be so easy It would be no problem for me to say, Lord, I've been playing with this thing, and if I trade this thing for what you want to give me, it would be no question. You think about that. It says, she offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. I just wish people would see the kingdom of God for what it is because I'm telling you, it would be so easy to give everything. It would be so easy to trade everything. You know, because people talk about the early disciples. Think about this. You know, uh, when Jesus called Peter, they were out fishing. And they had been fishing all night. They didn't catch anything. Well, then Jesus speaks one word and says, hey, throw your nets off the side of the boat. They throw their nets over, and it says their nets were so full of fish that the boat began to sink, and they had to go get another boat to come out, and then they filled so full up of fish that that boat began to sink. And it says that Peter and those guys that were with him left everything and followed Jesus. People are like, oh, man, Peter really sacrificed. Are you kidding me? I would have been like, I don't want the, the fish. I want to be with the dude that just spoke one little word and made all these fish just come right into my possession. That, that's going to produce so much more in my life than just having all the fish for today. And that's what the Bible says, that when you gain the wisdom of God, like Solomon, he asked for wisdom, and it says that he gained long life. He gained prosperity. He gained victory over his enemies. He gained all these things. Why? Because when you gain the wisdom of God in this covenant relationship with Jesus... All those other things are a part of it. It's the tree, and those things are the fruit. This is what I'm going to leave you guys with for today. Let me see what I want to get to. We've been talking a lot about healing. So I want to look at this. Skip down to verse 27 through 28 of Proverbs 3. It says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it, when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back, and then I'll help you. I want y'all to think about this in the light of healing. I want you to think about this in the light of God helping you. I want you to think about this in the light of God blessing you. I'll read it again. He says, If it's in your power, if you can help, if you have the ability to help somebody right now, the Bible says, do not tell them, come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. Let me ask you this. Is it in God's power to heal you now? Does God have the power to do that? Does God have the power to bless your situation right now? Does he have the power to switch everything? The problem that you're facing, does he have the capacity to flip that thing over on its head and everything change from this moment forward? Why would God tell us to do something that he doesn't do? Why would God tell us to be people that if it's in your power, if you have the money to help, help a person? If you have the power to help, help somebody? Why would He tell us that and then turn around and say, Yeah, but I'm the God that, well, how many of y'all know healing doesn't come all at once? I'm just waiting on my healing. I'm just waiting. God's just giving me a little bit at a time. God's just giving me one little step at a time. That is not what the Scripture says. God is not a hypocrite, and He's not a liar. It is in his power to do exceedingly above and beyond anything that we could ask, think, or imagine right now and today. And he will do it. It's not the fact that God doesn't want to do it. It's our unbelief that holds us back from receiving those things from the Lord. Amen. I want to pray with you guys. I know we didn't get through all the verses in chapter 3, but this is the most amazing thing. Hopefully you have a Bible if you don't i'll make sure to give you one before you leave tonight you can go back and read this whole thing read through proverbs 3 read those verses that we haven't got to ask the lord to show you the truths that we're breaking this stuff down by step by step a lot of people would read this and and there's things that you wouldn't catch in a thousand years you just read right through it and never think about it start reading the bible differently meditate on the word of god Get it in front of you and start breaking it out and say, what is God really saying in this? Amen. Guys, I want to pray for you. If you're online watching with us, I want to pray. I said starting out in the beginning that I just believe, and I'm so glad that I ended on that, but that God wants to meet needs tonight. If you have something you're believing for in your life, I don't care what it is. The scripture says, Jesus said, ask and you should receive. He said, if you had faith and you did not doubt, you could ask me for anything. And if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. The Bible says, with God, all things are possible. I don't know, I don't know if it's a financial thing, I don't know if it's a, a, a house, a car, a, a, a health problem, a family member, a situation that you're in. I want you right now to believe that God is going to shift something. When we pray, I don't want you to leave this prayer thinking, oh, man, well, you know, you guys pray for me. Yeah, we prayed, but keep me in your prayer. I don't want you to think like that. I want you to believe the Bible says pray and ask using the name of Jesus that you leave this room saying, nope, it's done. That miracle that I need is done. I'm not going to say, well, you keep praying for me, and hopefully we'll get there. Hopefully it will come into manifestation. It is done. If it's financial, if it's healing, physical, physical family member, whatever it is. God, meet that need right now. I want you to just think about that thing. I want you to put that before the Lord with your faith right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Right now, if you're online, I want you to put that thing in front of you with your faith. We're going to speak to it. We're going to pray. We're going to ask using the name of Jesus. Father, right now, in in Jesus' name, I speak to every need, I speak to every person that's struggling with sickness in their body, and I say, be healed in Jesus' name right now. Even over the camera in people's rooms as they're listening to this, I speak healing right now in the name of Jesus. Be healed. If somebody's believing for for a miracle right now, They've come into a hard time with their job. They've come into a hard time with all this coronavirus, and they're needing something to switch. They have bills to pay. They have debts that, that, that they have. I speak to those debts right now, and I curse them in the name of Jesus. I curse them at the root just like Jesus spoke to the fig tree. I command them to be paid off in full right now in Jesus' name. I command provisions to come in right now in Jesus' name family members that are lost, I speak out right now and release a word, and I call them forth in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Right where you're at, I want you to just begin to say, thank you, Lord. Believe that you've received it right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for every need that was just met. Hallelujah, Lord. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. We believe it is done. From this moment forward, in Jesus' name, everybody said amen, guys.